Hi, welcome to Stardust Records, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Linz, and I'm here with my co-host, Sabi. Before we get started, we wanted to tell our listeners that we are in full support of the SAG-AFRA strike that is currently going on in the industry. We are monitoring the guidelines very closely and carefully, and as we do that, we are currently putting a pause to our Star Wars visual media coverage of past, present, and future projects. We will include ways you can support those strike when we post this episode. For now, we will only be covering what has been told to us by official representatives is okay to cover as a podcast, which includes comics and books. Now, without further ado, let's dive into our discussion of Rise of the Red Blade by Delilah S. Dawson. We'll be covering part three as this book is separated into three different parts. We're finally at the last part. I know. That was partially my fault. It took me forever to finish it, but I did. And You did? I did. I finished it. I have this thing I was telling Linz before that I'll start a book and I'll get pretty far into it and then I'll stop and then I'll forget to finish it and then the cycle continues so i was cleaning out this book box that i have because i just recently moved and i found a uh, dark disciple and it still had my page down and i was like darn it i never <laughs> finished it and i remember not like in vivid detail what the book has in it but it, it's not enough to just like jump right back in and then i don't want to <laughs> start it again so i am really glad that i hopped back into uh, Rise of the Red Blade pretty quickly. Yeah. And it was, it's, I feel like this last part was segmented off of the first two Mm -hmm. in such a way that you could kind of get back into it um, and sort of treat it not as a standalone, but definitely as a a departure from the first two, because the first two parts, you kind of have to remember all these characters and everything that led up to a certain point. But with this final part, which is Iscott's um, time with the Inquisition, uh, you didn't really need to remember too much of that or have that fresh in your memory. So, which I think is really interesting, the way that the book was segmented. So what did, well, first of all, first of all, for everybody, part three picks up right when Iscott um, first comes to Coruscant to the Inquisition headquarters there. And we kind of see her first days, months in the Inquisition highlighted at the beginning there. So what did you think about how she came into the Inquisition versus other Inquisitors? Because we know other Inquisitors had different experiences than her. So what what did you think about that, how she came into it? I thought it was interesting uh, to... Like that this one specific Inquisitor, like one of the first, if not the first, not like the specific first, but like I know there was a group that were the first, um, came in this way willingly. When Even when the Grand Inquisitor like said this group of people already had these similar thoughts that you did, but they needed a bit more convincing. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Yes. I suppose I don't have, like, a specific thought on it because it was just like, oh, well, like, Iscott's just different, but also not as more, actually more different because she didn't need torturing or abuse to. The thing is, is that she was abused in a way because of, like, they starved her. They did, like, the blindfolding. So, also, I guess trigger warning for this episode, this this part was kind of heavy there was some um I know there was a suicide and things like that so I just wanted to say that really quickly 
What did yeah. you think? I very similar thoughts there, especially with the fact that um, she wasn't tortured the way that we that the other inquisitors were. It, it implies that, and also the fact that they give her they don't give her a number right away. They don't give her a uniform right away. Yeah. She kind of has to like earn it. Um, and I'm sure the other inquisitors had to in a way as well, but she didn't have to go through the torturing that they did. Cause we know we've seen um, with second sister, we know that she was definitely tortured and ninth mentions in this chapter or in this part, ninth sister mentions that um a lot of the inquisitors have nightmares and also regularly get tortured again um and then so, in the and sorry in fallen order too mm -hmm, when she exactly. says like crack like the rest of us or whatever exactly and so i feel like iscott because we're seeing this through iscott's point of view i feel like she was further along on the dark side than she even realized she was meeting all the criteria Mm -hmm. more so than she ever than she even realized because she was like she was able to talk to palpatine in mm -hmm. this section she um faced off with vader she was given the freedom to go to her home world to try and discover like herself like who she was so they're like giving her what she had wanted always to keep her coming back mm -hmm. and i think that she just was further along than she ever realized and she was meeting all that um and and we and to mention what you were saying how she did she was starved she did she was isolated for a while she had thought of it as like the jedi trials because she knew that the jedi trials had similar uh tests of fortitude and so she just she just made was like well that's this is what this is me being locked in this cell is like a test, a mental test, you know, a physical test that I would have done anyway if I was when I was going to be a Jedi Knight. And so she just kind of twists it in her brain. Um, and so getting further into her being in the Inquisition and encountering other Inquisitors, um, what did you think about her interactions with the other Inquisitors? Or what did you think about the portrayal of the other Inquisitors that we well, got? <laughs> well, we, we, very heavily got fifth and seventh we practically got a whole chapter or two i can't remember on seventh and we we got like an explanation of the backstory of how she got her droids and it's in it was inspired by iscott she used something on her that inspired quote unquote and uh i i love fifth i i i love the way delilah writes him I love his little like witty comments. I hope that one day we get a backstory on him. I think it would be really interesting to see if he was always like that. Like if he was always like that witty kind of jabber. Mm -hmm. um, and if seventh and fifth knew each other beforehand or I, I, I don't know. I we really only got them. If mm -hmm. I'm right, like in such a heavy yes. manner. Yes. So I, I thought it was good. I thought all the sparring scenes were really cool. Yeah. It was interesting to see how um, Iscott basically judges them or sizes them up, how she thinks about them, how she 
analyzes their tactics, how she faced off with Vader and survived. Because we know that other Inquisitors either didn't survive or were maimed. So we know that like Ninth lost an eye at one point, I think. She lost something from Vader. And yeah, so I really liked what Delilah could show us because Delilah had mentioned several times in some tweets and I think probably some interviews as well that um, if you don't see something, it's because it's not that she didn't want to write it. It's just because she was limited on what she could write, the material that she was allowed to work with in terms of um, the Inquisitors specifically. So I think that she was allowed to write uh, fifth and seventh more so than any anyone else but she did mention 10th she mentioned second sister i want to say do you remember if eighth was mentioned or sixth i feel like one of them was i think it was and eighth. Then, i yes. do like briefly remember that and then we did have a little bit of ninth talking to iscott as well referencing back to what i mentioned earlier how she was um iscott was hearing screaming at night in the uh, headquarters and Ninth was saying like you know people have nightmares basically and that's what you're hearing um, so yeah so she kind of settles into her life as an inquisitor she likes it a lot she actually meets up with um, oh, what was this what was that fellow's name from the temple she finds him again I always he, forget uh, his name he's Hezo yes okay yes so she figures out that he had been spying on her that whole time in the temple and she trusted him and everything. And then she encountered him in the inquisitor headquarters and he just is like, well, you know, this is what you wanted, you know, right? Water under the bridge. And she's like, yeah, no. And she kills him, which I feel like she was just done with being lied to. And I'm not excusing her actions at all, but she was, this is her kind of taking back her agency um, in her mind, I think. Uh, she's just done with fake people, <laughs> like literally done with them. <laughs> then eventually someone else joins the Inquisition. Toulon joins, and that's a surprise to her. I think that she thought that she saw him or saw somebody in the halls at one point, but she didn't know who it was. And then... I think it turns out to be him. So they spar. And I feel like he was he was still he was still kind of recovering mentally from his torturing. Do you remember yeah, that? I do. Yeah. And he was like, I, I hate you. And then I didn't hate you or something like that. And then he he stabs her. Mm-hmm. she quote unquote stabbed him in the back and then he like, stabbed her in the front and when I say stabbed mm-hmm. her in the back I'm doing quotes because she just left him for dead she didn't actually stab him yeah and this is the second time that she spent time in the med bay after he stabs her the first time was when seventh jumped her in her mm-hmm. in her bed yeah <laughs> attacked her in her own bed which tells you a lot about the the dynamic of the inquisitors and what they're allowed to get away with and mm-hmm. just kind of the peck the pecking order and how that works because they didn't face punishment for hurting each other you know i think they would have if they killed each other which we see a couple times at least once where grand inquisitor is like hey you know do what you want but don't kill each other but yeah he wounds her and 
skipping forward a little bit, unless there's any anything that you want to point out, continuing to talk about Tulan and Iskot, they they end up kind of sharing a mission, but not really. Yeah, it, it's almost like the Grand Inquisitor or whoever assigned them that mission was trying to pit them against each other. They both had similar targets or the same target. And there's a there's a man who has captured some Jedi. He's like a I don't know, he's not like a pirate. He's not like a he's, he's some almost, sort of crime. Yeah. He says something about like bounty hunters or or they're like Jedi bounty hunters essentially. Yeah, yeah, he's some some great Jedi bounty hunter, I guess like an inquirer of difficult people to capture, I guess. Um, but he has like a base and so she finds it and she breaks in and she encounters Charlin. Yeah. Um, which is one of the girls, one of the Padawans that she grew up with, who was very critical of her and very distrusting of her and fearful of her and would talk about her behind her back with her friend. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, you know, when when Iscott breaks in, she doesn't She's like, oh, break me out. Save me. Like, get me out of here. And without any, like, thanks, she's just like, hey, you're here. Break me out. <laughs> and Scott's like, yeah, you have no idea how you have affected me. And she mm-hmm. starts to, like, tell Charlene, Charlene this. And Charlene just like, I don't, like, she just doesn't care. She doesn't care about Scott's feelings. She just wants to be free. And this is just a... I guess a further confirmation to Iscott that like time didn't change anything. Si- the situation didn't change anything. Like she yeah. tr- truly doesn't care about her. And so Iscott's like, well, you know, in her mind, she's like, why? Sh- I don't care about her either. You know? And she's like trying to tell her, she's like, you know, you, she's like, you made me feel like I was someone to be feared. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going to show you how dangerous I am. And she, and then she kills her. This That part was so interesting to me with Iscott because she's always felt hate, essentially, but she's never acted on it. We've never seen her cross over that line. At this point in the book, I feel like it was very difficult to like root for her in a way. It says on one of the social media posts by Del Rey or whatever that like Iscott is a difficult character to root for or something like that. I Wow, I opened it to the exact page. Nice. She says, because of this girl, because of Jedi like Charlin, Iscott had had always been an outsider. Because of Jedi like Charlin, the Republic had fallen. Charlin had bought into every Jedi lie, would have followed Mace Windu to the ends of the galaxy. She was an ideal Jedi, a true Jedi, true Jedi. And that meant she deserved to die, just like the rest. So I thought that that part was very interesting because we're seeing it from the perspective of somebody who believes that the Jedi were completely wrong. And then later, that next page, Escott asks multiple times to Charlene, like, are you sorry? This whole time, she's been thinking, this person is not sorry. She she hates me. She, oh, it's so difficult to gather my thoughts with this part. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. It's, it's, a, it's very heavy. It is. It, it really gets into the intricacies of her struggle and how it manifests out of her. Mm-hmm. And I find that so interesting, but it is hard to, because you're seeing it through the, her lens. Yeah. You know, and like, like Charlene 
or Charlin may have been quote unquote wrong for bullying Iscott, but like I don't think that she deserved to die. And then there was something that Charlin said where she says, You never suffered anything outside of your own head. And I never said I was perfect. Yeah. So that's like a really interesting perspective to hear Iscott's story from is that Iscott, yes, was bullied and suffering from the result of that bullying but did she amplify the bullying in her head is like everything that went on after her friend died Mm -hmm. like something that was kind of not exaggerated because her feelings are definitely very real but I don't know it's it's a very we got a different side of Iska and like an outsider's perspective that wasn't Tualin's or her master's yeah. Someone who was there yeah. with her when her friend died. Yeah. And their kids. Yeah, for sure. And I, I we get that also with we get a, another outside perspective when she faces off with uh Cleffin, Master Cleffin, right mm-hmm. after. Yeah. Um and, and he tells her, you know, what they thought of her and how she appeared to them. And And I do think that she amplified things. Like you said, I feel like she did amplify things in her head, but also she didn't voice those things. She didn't have Mm -hmm. the correct outlet for those things. Um, Either she felt she couldn't, because there were a couple times where she tried to speak with her master. We know she did. She tried to tell her how she was feeling. And the feedback that she was getting from her master just wasn't. um, It wasn't what she was looking for looking exactly yeah exactly it's like when you search for advice and you want you don't want to hear the logical thing you want to hear what you want to hear like you want somebody to you want somebody what is the word placate no like somebody like you want somebody to tell you exactly what you want to hear validate yes validate your feelings validate Mm -hmm. which which in some cases uh, can be good but in some in a lot of cases it could be bad because it's like you don't want someone to just be your guest man or just tell you that you're completely right like mm-hmm. you want someone who's going to give you the truth and so i just i i just think it was like the perfect storm of like she just wasn't getting what she she wasn't hearing things the way that she should hear them mm-hmm. she was bottling it up because she felt like she couldn't say anything um because we know that she got good at hiding things and so um and then that just like Charlotte said like she didn't suffer anything outside of her own mind like she made all these injustices towards herself bigger in her head mm-hmm. and that's just you know that's that could be so true for anyone like you know in real life like anyone can have that and when they get so stuck in their own mind then they can't you know see a way out or they can't they can't process it because they don't have the right outlet yeah and she was internalizing all of these feelings and when you live I feel like when you live with a lot of negativity it like everything outside of what you're thinking and what you're feeling feels negative like everything Mm -hmm. feels wrong and and sad and it's like what you put out there is what you get essentially Mm -hmm. I don't know and she was putting out a lot of these feelings that she was feeling (laughs) and uh 
she was getting it back and, and vice versa so it it was it was really it, this story i feel like is very special because i don't feel like we've gotten such a we haven't gotten such a like a character like this like we haven't gotten a mm -hmm. character that is so that is written so in depth when it comes to her like mental health i'll say yes. uh and i feel like with iscott's mother i think it was uh yora I th maybe the p is silent but or pora maybe the y is silent uh, uh you know her mother had killed herself we we find that out with with the master that she ends up fighting and i feel like iscott almost felt like that was that was her destiny too not maybe not suicide but like that same feeling of failure that possibly her mother had felt i don't know mm -hmm. what do you think yeah i i think that she blamed she i feel like she kind of blamed the jedi in a respect for what happened for mm -hmm. like not supporting her mother and because I think that she sees that she could have left the order just like her mother did, but they didn't let her leave because her master had told, sworn to her mother, promised to her mother that she would like take care of her, like take her on under yeah. her wing. And so she's like, I could have left like all those feelings that I felt and all that, that dissatisfaction and, and disillusionment like I could have just gone like my mm -hmm. mother did I could have left like she did because obviously I'm not meant for this like she wasn't meant for it so I'm probably not meant for it mm -hmm. um so like to your point yeah I think that she felt like she was robbed of a choice mm -hmm. because also also because her master didn't pick her the way masters traditionally pick their padawans she yeah. was just like promised like she wasn't assigned or she wasn't um it wasn't the thing like, with the connection with the force and she, mm -hmm. she's like no wonder I never felt connected to this master of mine she the force wasn't connecting us the way it usually does yeah that's also a very interesting uh aspect to think about the story is that like Iscott feels like she's never had a true connection with anybody through the force so I she maybe feels like it's difficult to believe that it's as good as like everybody is in the Jedi order is talking about mm -hmm. because she doesn't, she was robbed of that connection that she would have with a master though. It makes me wonder like who her master would be yeah. if she had, like, would she have had a connection with the master or it's or would they've just let her go? Uh, yeah. Which makes me want to lead into Tulin into the epilogue because we kind of it's I haven't read the comics but I know you have and as I was reading it I remembered that so long ago like when we had first started talking you had posted a picture of Tulin and Iscott but we didn't like really know like I had yeah. no idea and you had said, I want to know more about them. And I was thinking about that in the epilogue. And I was like, wow, two years later, we actually had like a whole book. But yeah, they they die. Like they, they're mm -hmm. killed by Vader. And I like knew it was coming <laughs> because you said that it was like the same as the comics. And I had remembered that. And I was like, oh, no, another romance dead in the water. But 
Um, it kind of mirrored the fight with Vader that Iscott has at the beginning that he interrupted with the other Inquisitors. Like, she had not defeated him, but she outsmarted him in a way. Mm-hmm. And then this time around, because she was so distracted with her, not distracted, but she was so in love with Tulin <laughs> that it gave her a disadvantage. And also Vader yeah. is like a, is very strong as we know. He's practically, I don't know. I don't want to say that he's unbeatable, but. Yeah, I, I, uh, so, so going back to the epilogue or to, to speak on the epilogue, um, we, it jumps forward a couple of years, I think. And yeah. we, we know at this point, oh, and if you've, if you're listening to this, you've probably read the book, but Master Cleffin is killed by Iscott. She basically completes that mission and kind of takes it from Toulon, but he's like, sort of like gracefully a loser and they decide <laughs> that they're going to have a romantic dalliance with each other. And so skipping forward those couple of years to the epilogue, they are lovers and um, they had gone on a mission with Vader and Fifth, and I can't remember. There might have been another Inquisitor with them, but they um, they go and find Eeth Koff, and his daughter had just had a child, and they were trying to take the child from her. And Iscott um, encounters the woman with her baby as she's trying to escape, and for a moment oh, yes. she lets them go. Thank you for bringing she this back. <laughs> Yes. So, so for a moment, she lets the, this woman and her newborn child go and fifth brother sees it and then misses the second half of the encounter. Iscott let the woman go onto the ship. And then as soon as the ship took off, she grabbed the baby from the woman. So she like gave the woman hope, but then took it away as like a way to mess with her. Mm-hmm. And she told Tulan, like she was like, she appealed to me woman to woman. And I want her to know she can't trust anyone again, basically. So she did that. So she was never, we think that she was never really going to let this person go. So, but fifth then tells Vader that Iscott had a moment of weakness. And when they get back to the, the Inquisitor headquarters on Coruscant, she and Tualan are sharing a drink with all the other Inquisitors in like this lounge. They have like a lounge, which is like really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vader encounters them and attacks her without any explanation. And then she runs and Tualan stops Vader. And he's like, you know, this, you, or she was the one that basically he's like, she was the one that I was going after, but because you stood beside her, I'm going after you both now. Yeah. So then Tualan runs away as well and they both are escaping through the city vader's chasing them they think that they thwar him and ultimately he finds them on a balcony and um makes them stab each other with their own sabers and they die and the last thing that iscott sees i I can't remember but like the very end is like she sees like tulan she's looking at tulan as she dies Mm -hmm. um and she's finally at peace. Is that like the last line? Iscott? It's, it's like Iscott, uh, Akaris is finally free. Finally free. Yeah. And that's what Toulon really wanted overall. I think that he never was as into the Inquisition or into the fully as into the darkness as Iscott. So it's evident in the comic that Toulon definitely was thinking a lot about freedom like he wanted to be free he wasn't <clears throat> as all in as Iscott was but Iscott 
even though it's kind of implied in the book that she doesn't have as strong feelings as Tulan, like towards him, like he really loves her, but she just isn't sure. I don't think it, I don't know if you, if you remember this, but like, it just didn't seem like she had the exact same strength of feelings, but she still was like, yeah, we should take our opportunity and go like, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, we're being hunted. We got to go. And Mm -hmm. so it, it just is so, sad and bittersweet um that they died together but it almost feels like you know that was like a fitting end for them fitting feels such is such a weird word to use for anyone's deaths but i feel like if there was going to be any way that they went out were going to go out that that would be the way but overall what did you what are your feelings towards this book overall? Did you think this was like a pretty solid read? Would you recommend it to other people who are who might like be interested in this kind of um, this part of Star Wars? I w- uh, I would recommend this book to people who are interested in the Inquis- Inquisition or the Inqui- Inquisitorious, whatever they're calling it. Um, I would also in recommend it to like comic readers because I know that these characters are from that I actually just found your tweet I used advanced search um, and you commented and I want to know their names <laughs> uh, so it's like I would be cool if there were more stories like this I think this is like a door opening for stories like this because it's like now it's inviting uh, maybe like Star Wars publishing and different authors to take a character that we know nothing about that kind of just exists and write more. And I feel like this book had a lot of quote unquote world building. Maybe I'm using the term wrong, but we like learned a lot about the introduction to the Inquisition, like what it's like to be an inquisitor to a certain extent i think we got a cool i don't i don't want to say cool but an interesting side to different side to what we know about the jedi like we got a perspective of somebody who is and was a jedi who didn't necessarily agree with all of their tactics and beliefs and you know like the people so yeah i I would recommend this book I was really happy with it. We've gotten like, you know, a lot of High Republic books, which is good. And phase three is coming and a lot of Jedi books, essentially. And I know uh, the new point of view came out. So rebellion stuff, but we haven't gotten an Inquisitor novel. So this was like a good break, quote unquote. Not that we need a break from either of those other <laughs> genres, but yeah, I I would give it an eight point five out of ten. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I I'm right there with you, um, especially with the rating, um, because I feel like, and this isn't, I don't think this was, this is not the fault of Delilah, but this is just me wanting more. When I first, when this book was first announced, I really was of the impression we would get more of the Inquisitors and more time with the Inquisitorious. And I know you might feel the same. And I was kind of surprised that we only got it at the very end and only like for a little while. And I thought we were going to have more of it. And I understand why we couldn't. I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but, you know, there's certain constraints on 
like what they're allowed to write. So I think that was my only, my only real gripe with it was that we didn't get more, which is just me being greedy, I guess. But yeah. So yeah, I, I, I really like this book. I'm very glad to have it on my shelf and I hope that we get more kind of standalone books like it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what, to your point, that's kind of what you were implying is that we get these more standalone stories that cover uh, characters and um, organizations, timeframes that we don't really see too much into. And I do think to your point again, that it's really cool that they were able to pull a comic character that was solely a comic character and then make a book from it. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes me hopeful for all sorts of different characters, whether they be well-known or not, like Scott and Toulon. So yeah, I loved it. I, I think it was a really good book. I think it was solid. I'm, I hope that Delilah can write more in the future. Me too. She's been part of the Star Wars publishing for a while now, and she's created some beautiful stories. And this is just another one to add to the pile. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I hope we see more of her in the future. Yes, me too. I know that she is releasing a novel soon. I know it's not anything to Star Wars related. I, I can't recall the name, but on her Twitter, she's been posting about it. She did like a really fun Reddit uh, Q&A, which she's, she answered some questions about Rise of the Red Blade. So if you want more about her thoughts on it, you should go read that thread. But for now, Linz, where can we find you on Twitter or on social media? Sorry. <laughs> um, you can find me at A Cosmic Love on Twitter and at Rebel Risen on Instagram. And where can we find you? You found me at andorisms on twitter and instagram and tiktok basically everywhere (laughs) but for now we will see you next week we have a special guest we're so excited to have on the show Uh, but until then we'll see you then bye-bye bye